0: do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Father, we come to you today from a place of need. Uh, we need to be fed by you. We need to be nourished by your word. Give us our daily bread. Give us spiritual sustenance today as we hear your word. For your glory, I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I um, decided to as events unfolded throughout the week, that I was going to have to change course on my sermon. So uh, Friday, I rewrote my sermon. I have a different sermon text actually, and um, I'll come back to this passage because I thought I did a pre- pretty decent job on the sermon that I wrote for these passages. It's in the can, so I'll bring it out sometime. But uh, if you have your Bible, or if you want to look, grab a pew Bible and turn to Revelation twenty-one. I want us to remind us of our ultimate hope and our ultimate home today. Our ultimate hope and our ultimate home. And so Revelation 21, this is the revelation that God gave John, the Apostle John, a supernatural vision of the future. And he writes this, Revelation 21, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks thank you, thanks God. There's something I'll never forget in my childhood. My um, grandparents had a farm. And one winter, I think it was in February, it was a very cold winter day, we were at the farm, and my uh, grandfather said, Let's take our sleds and go to the pond. There was a small pond there, and uh, the the pond was frozen over, and he thought it would be great if we could go. We didn't have ice skates, but if we skated on our shoes and went out on the sleds over the frozen pond. And so um, we went out there, my sister and I and Grandpa, and I remember him going around the pond making sure that it was safe for us. I can still see him walking the perimeter and then declaring, okay, guys, you can go. It's safe. And then I stepped out on the ice and I came to a section I guess Grandpa didn't get to. Now, it wasn't over my head, but I'll never forget that sound of the ice cracking beneath my feet. And then in an instant, I'm up to my... Well, shoulders probably in frozen water. And so that was terrifying at the moment. I thought I was safe. I thought I was on solid ground, or at least solid ice. And it wasn't the case. And later we got back to the farmhouse. I got dried, and uh, before a crackling fire and hot cocoa, we, we joked about it and laughed about it. We, we got through it. But at the moment, it was really scary and terrifying. I think that's the case today for many people in our nation. What we thought was solid, what we think we can depend on, is starting to crack. And the uncertainty of that leads to great fear and anxiety. Some people think that they're secure because of their financial resources. And those are on shaky ground right now. Things are beginning to crack. We, we have imagined because we have great technology and medical care that things like this aren't going to affect us or we'll have a swift solution. And that turns out that it's not the case right now. Hopefully, uh, the, the solutions will come quicker than people think. So the the things that people have hoped in, the things that people have thought will make them secure are cracking beneath their feet and this is leading to, to panic and uncertainty. This is a time, brothers and sisters, where we need to remind ourselves of the basis of our hope, our ultimate hope, the foundation that we can walk on the solid foundation of the promises of God that will carry us through this life into the next. We need to remember our ultimate hope and our ultimate home. And so I want us to consider John's vision. John's vision for the people of God, a future for the people of God, written at a time of suffering for Christians and anxiety because of persecution, written for people facing uncertainty. And these words apply to us today. A great hope for the people of God. He talks about a restored creation in verse 1. A restored creation. Then I saw a new heaven, or a new sky, and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no no more. God is the creator of heaven and earth, and when God created the heavens and the earth, he pronounced them what? Good. God is a good creator. But then sin entered into the world, and sin produced death. This virus, in all other disease, is a result of sin. God is not the author of evil. God allows evil as a consequence of our sin. But God is not the creator of evil. The first heaven and the first earth have been infected by sin and death. But God because He is good, does not give up on His creation. And He does not give up on us. He is the Redeemer of creation. John tells us that God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And he adds, the sea will be no more. And some scholars say that perhaps the reason that's included it's because in biblical times, the sea represents threat and chaos and uncertainty for ancient people. And even today, think about hurricanes and tsunamis. And these folks were well acquainted with the dangers of the sea because if you traveled long distances, often you had to take a, a ship and, and there were shipwrecks. So the, the sea represents a, a threat of nature. And God says, in the new heavens and the new earth, that threat is not going to exist. The point is, brothers and sisters, God the Creator does not abandon His creation, and He does not abandon His people created in His image. He is the Redeemer of creation. A new heaven and a new earth. And then within the new heavens and the new earth, is this holy city, the new Jerusalem. John says, and I saw, verse 2, the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her children. Jerusalem throughout the Bible stands for the city of God, the city where his people dwell. And now John sees a vision of a new Jerusalem. And this comes from God. It is a place that God has specially prepared for his people. It is for the people of God their forever home, their eternal home. He prepares it as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, a bride on her wedding day makes special preparations for that moment when she walks down the aisle and is united with her groom. A bride spends time on her hair and extra time on her makeup. And of course, the wedding dress is not your normal garment. And there's great expense related to all this. In fact, I read that the average cost of a wedding dress now is over $1,000. $1,000 which is a scary thought for somebody like me (laughs) with four girls. But when a bride walks down the aisle to meet the groom, it's this momentous occasion filled with beauty and joy and hope and love. And I remember somebody saying to me after my wedding ceremony, Ben, I never saw your face light up like it did when you were watching Josie come down the aisle. It's a time of beauty and hope and joy and love. And God says, that's what it's going to be like in this holy city. That's what it's going to feel like. God is preparing this. And we are preparing. And he has prepared us through Christ, to meet Him in the holy city. And later in this chapter 21, he describes the beauty of the holy city of God, the beauty of heaven. And I'm just going to talk about some of these symbols and depictions. Some people take them more literally than others. The point is that it's going to be a place of astonishing, unimaginable beauty. So here are some of the descriptions. John talks about the radiance of this holy city. The light of this holy city is going to be as clear as crystal. And that radiance is going to come from the glory of God. God's radiance is going to shine forth from this city. His radiance is going to be the light. And it's going to be as clear as crystal. The walls will be of pure jasper which is a precious gem. The city itself, he says, is made of pure gold, the gates made of pearl. In other words, this is going to be a place of breathtaking, astonishing beauty. And I want you to think of the most beautiful place that you've been to, or a place that you like to go to, that is a place of of beauty and safety. When I think of beauty, I think of the mountains of Northwest Montana. We're able to go there quite often because Josie's family lives in Northwest Montana. And in the summers, we get to spend several weeks there hiking in the mountains, enjoying the beauty of God's creation, looking at the snow-capped peaks and the, the pristine mountain lakes. I've never seen water that looks like that in the mountains of Montana. It's breathtakingly beautiful. For you, it might be an ocean scene or maybe a beautiful garden. I know there are people here who like to spend time at the botanical gardens because it's a place of peace and beauty and rest. It might be the beauty of a a building, the architectural wonder of of a glorious building. The point is, all these things are just glimpses, just hints of the beauty that is to come for the people of God. That's going to be in the holy city. That is what lies in store for us. That is what lies in store for the bride of Christ. John Donne, the great English poet, and he was also an Anglican (coughs) priest, in the 1620s, he became ill. And he thought that he had the plague, the black plague which you know wiped out millions and millions of people throughout the centuries in Europe. And it was a horrible way to die. Um, I read some detail on that this week, and I won't go into the detail. Okay. But this was, I mean, we think we have it bad now. The, 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 the Black Plague was terrible, and um, it was an awful way to die. And John Donne thought that he had this. And he takes to bed, and physicians began to work on him, and um, turns out he was misdiagnosed. Uh, but he wrote devotions as he was lying in bed. And he wrote, uh, the, the book is called, um, I think it's Devotions on Emergent Occasions. Really snappy title. <laughs> and Steps Towards My Sickness, or Steps in My Sickness. but. At any rate, they're beautiful devotions. In and, and, and one of these devotions, he says this. And this is something we need to remember, brothers and sisters. He's praying to God. You have reserved thy treasure of perfect joy and perfect glory to be given by thine own hands when we shall possess in an instant and forever all that can make us happy. In an instant and forever, all that can make us happy is there waiting for us to be given by the hand of God. Friends, that is a hope that we have as Christians that the world does not have. It's the hope of joy and beauty and glory to come. I think part of the reason why we're seeing people kind of melt down psychologically And Josie was at a store this week where people were beginning to skirmish over what they wanted on the shelves and things. And we're seeing this in the news. I think part of the reason, and I'm not demeaning such folks, I understand the fear and the anxiety, but there are people whose only hope is this life. That's not the case with us. We have a waiting for us this holy city. The greatest treasure and the greatest good of heaven, however, is not the gold and the precious gems and the pearls. The greatest good is not the fellowship of the people of God. All these things will be wonderful and will contribute to our delight and our eternal enjoyment and they will increase throughout the ages of eternity, if we can even use the term age as it relates to eternity. Our delight and our joy will increase because of these gifts that God has given us, but the greatest gift of all is God Himself. God will be with His people, it says. God will dwell with His people. God is the source of all that is good and true and beautiful in this world. We know God is good because God gives us good things gifts. He gives us the gift of life and the good things in life. He gives us the gift of his word and the sacraments and the body of Christ to strengthen us on this journey. He has given us his own son. This is love. God demonstrated his love in this, that while you and I were sinners, Christ died for us on the cross. We know God is good because He gives us good gifts. But in heaven, we won't just have the gifts. We'll have the giver. We'll be in the presence of the giver of all these good gifts. We encounter God now through instruments. We encounter God now in a mediated way, a go-between. We encounter God through His word, through His sacraments, through the presence of His Holy Spirit. There are times where in seasons where we enjoy a greater sense of His presence, in prayer and worship, And that's wonderful, but those seasons vary and come and go. But in heaven, we will have God's immediate presence. God himself, it says, will be with them as their God. That's the greatest good of heaven. And in this place, in the presence of God, he reverses the curse of sin. It says God will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Death will be no more. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been keeping track of these numbers as the pandemic spreads, and sometimes I have to take a break from looking at the numbers. The numbers of people infected. The numbers of people who've recovered. And thank God, that's, that's mainly what we're seeing, the numbers of people recovered. There's more people, obviously, who've recovered than have died. But there is that number of people who've died. And that's getting the headlines. And when I wrote this on Friday, it was around 5,000. I don't know what it is now. And that's a scary thought. And we look at these numbers, they begin to tick up. But you know, every day, all over the world, every day, and this is according to Google, 150,000 people die. Every two seconds or so, somebody dies. Death is a part of this life. The prayer book says at the funeral, at the graveside, in the midst of this life, we are in the midst of death. What this is doing for many people who would like to just ignore that harsh reality is it's right there in front of their face. It's making them confront this uncomfortable reality. The reality of death, which is perhaps the most painful part of life. But God promises a day when death will be no more. Don't forget those promises. Now is the time to believe it. To renew our hope and trust in God. The basis of that belief that death will be no more is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because we believe that God raised Him from the dead and conquered death, hell, and the grave. We who are in Him have that victory. We have a share in that victory. If Christ was not raised, we don't have hope, Paul the Apostle says. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. We are called the church of the resurrection. And that is a foundation of our hope. Throughout the Bible, God urges people to think about their eternal destination. And part of my prayer is that God will use this to stir people up to think about these eternal things that we normally don't think about. We, escaped, we escape into all sorts of entertainment. Well, now we can't watch sports, so maybe people will begin to think about such things. God does not desire anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. You know, there's the city of God, and then there's the dwelling place of those who've rejected God, who rejected God's provision for their sin. Their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. They're going to be dwelling in a place apart from the presence of God. That's the other side of this vision that John describes. And John describes that part of the vision too. And so, brothers and sisters, in this time, let's pray that God will use this to wake people up to their spiritual condition and their need for this hope. And let's use our influence to witness to the hope that we have and also to call people to this same hope. My prayer for you and for me, for all of us, is that we would have this deep down assurance that when we leave this mortal life, we're going to the heavenly city prepared for us. Why? Not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. Because we trust in the crucified and risen Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do pray that this would be the case for us. That we would walk on the solid promises that you have given to us and that we would be witnesses of that hope in word and deed during these difficult times. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and together recite the words of our faith. We believe in one God, God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth,
1: of of all that is seen and
0: unseen. unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, The the only Son of God, Eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made.